You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I gotta say, I was doing the announcements this week for the Marshmallow Wars, and I put food and marshmallow war, and then I realized that might not quite be what we're going for. It wasn't a food fight, (laughs) just marshmallow fight. Now it's a flaming. Just gotta be there. You just don't know what's gonna happen. All right. How are you guys today? Okay, (laughs) good, good. Oh my gosh, I can't get this to stand up right. Hang on. Might be time for a new case, huh? That'll be good enough. All right. Awesome. Okay. Why don't you guys look at each other and just say, I am so glad. Look at somebody and just say, I am so glad you're on the planet today. Awesome, right? I'm so glad you're all here. See, and the way I did it, I didn't make you choose somebody to your right or left. You got to choose who you're glad that's on the planet today. Do you like that? Awesome. All right, well, let's dive into the word. Um, I found myself recently in a conversation. I just ran into somebody at a coffee shop that I'd only met once before, but um, we're more familiar with her husband, and we run into him more often. And we were just chatting, and she was saying some stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I walked away from that conversation like, no, no. Well, and I mean, it was a small thing. It's not like, yes, I agree. We should drown all puppies. Like, it wasn't anything like that. But it was like, no, I don't believe that. I don't think that way. Why was I just like, yeah, yeah. Have you guys ever done this? Were you, yeah, you're just in conversation, and I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe I don't want them to feel bad, or I want to make sure they feel connected, you know, like, oh, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. But then I'm like, but I don't agree with you, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how to do that yet. And I know some of you are really good. You're like, no, you're wrong. That's a terrible statement and a terrible idea. Some of you are really good at that. I I am not. I find myself making these agreements and having these conversations that I walk away from. And I'm like, why would I say that? Can you relate a little bit to that? Yeah. Um, And and whether we realize it or not, what I want to talk about today whether we realize it or not, we are making and have made agreements in our lives that, that are affecting how we live right now. We have made agreements with something, um, and we're living by them every day. So we're either living in an agreement to what God is saying, or we're living in agreements with unbelief. Those are our two that we're working with today. We might be on a scale Again, I did this last time. Here we go. We're on a scale. There's a sliding scale, but you're living in agreement with what God is saying or you're living in unbelief. John prayed this morning, you know, maybe you're feeling stuck in an area. You just, where's my breakthrough? Why can't I get a breakthrough? Maybe you're stuck in fear or lack or unhealthy habits or relationship issues. and You're just stuck and you can't get the breakthrough. And you, these, There's these broken cycles that you keep going through. It might mean you have some broken, you have some wrong agreements that you need to address. Some of the agreements we make, we agree, and this can happen at four, five, six years old, young. It doesn't seem fair that you can make a contract at four years old that'll affect the rest of your life, but maybe you had an adult in your life that said something to you that created an agreement in your head. Yeah, I'm not good at math. Um, I should keep my mouth shut so I don't get in trouble. 
keep the peace in the family. I'm in the way. I'm a problem. Uh, I'll just stay quiet. I'll never rock the boat. Maybe it was, you are too dramatic. You're too emotional. Stop being, stop being so emotional. So you learn that your needs were a problem. Those emotions were a problem, so you stuffed it. And we learned a few weeks ago, you can't put your emotions in the trunk. They cause issues later. You get in lots of trouble. You know, maybe it was, man up, don't cry. Pull it together. Okay, so the internal contract you signed might have stated something like, I have to bury my needs and my emotions so people aren't angry with me. I have to bury something about me. It's too much for the world. Um, Maybe people let you down. Anybody ever been let down or disappointed in here? (laughs) Anybody? We've been let down. We've been disappointed. Somebody didn't show up in the way that you thought they should or the way they said they would. And so you made an agreement. You signed a contract that said, it's it. I'm on my own in this world. Nobody else is going to take care of me. I take care of me. So we make these agreements and we don't allow life. We don't allow relationships. We don't allow people in. And it's moments like these when we have these painful situations in life. And again, if you think back, it can happen so young And we walk through these cycles of dysfunction without even realizing that we're dysfunctional in our thinking. But but it's in these moments that these thoughts slip in. And you can agree with them or you can reject them. And when you agree with them, until they are broken, until you end that contract, they will shape every area of your life. You signed on the dotted line, and you began to live according to the terms and conditions of that lie. Can you think of anything right now that you're like, oh, I've agreed to a lie, and I know it. I've, I've, I've agreed to a life of lack. I've agreed to a life of addiction. I've agreed to a life of relational, relational dysfunction. I've agreed to a life of self-sufficiency. I've agreed to a life of pursuing anything and everything I want at the expense of something else. We've all got these agreements we've made. Would you like to know how to get out of them today? Would you like to know how to be free? Let's talk about where are these thoughts coming from? Any, any ideas? Ephesians 2.2 in the New Living Translation, if you want to turn there quickly. We're not going to stay here long. It says... You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Okay, let's translate this. You used to partner your life in obedience to a spirit of unbelief. Okay, before we knew God, we were partnering with disobedience. Disobedience and unbelief are always partnered in the Bible. Belief and obedience to God are always partnered in the Bible. And agreements with unbelief or with these lies of the devil are typically agreements about our identity. Who are you? And again, this can be a lack or poverty mindset. I'm, you know, here's what it might sound like. I'm just not one of those people that will ever have enough. Maybe you've agreed with that. I'll just, it's always going to be a struggle. It's just how it is. It's just our family has always been this way. Wow. Okay, maybe it's, again, I mentioned this one, self-sufficiency. Got to take care of myself. Nobody else will be there for me. 
Can't rely on anybody, can't trust anybody. Accusations or self-hatred. Look, any negative, belittling, or degrading thoughts about you or about others are not from God. If you have those happening in your head, I am dumb, I am worthless. If I weren't on this earth, it wouldn't matter. Look at me. Those are lies. And you have got to come against those lies. You have to. You are too important. You are too valuable. What you bring to this earth matters. You overcoming this thing. Look, here's the thing. The devil doesn't attack what he's not afraid of. If he's attacking your identity, if he's attacking your voice, if he's attacking your finances, your family, your confidence, there is a reason. He sees what you are more than you do sometimes. And you've got to take hold of what God says about you. Maybe the lies, I'm unloved, I'm too much, I'm too hard to love, right? Maybe it's invisible. No one sees me or hears what I have to say. Guys, those are lies. So the rest of those verses in Ephesians 2, 2, after that, they state, look, you're no longer subject. You're no longer required to live according to unbelief. Those contracts were declared null and void. Yet so many of us are still living as if those contracts, as if those agreements were still valid. No, no, Christ came. He said, nope, you no longer live this way. This is no longer who you are. This is not your nature or identity. And yet we're still living as if it were in unbelief. Look, not in every area. So it's a process. Maybe when, when God came, you were, he was like, boom, he really dealt with something powerful in an area because he knew that was, that was a key you needed. Now it's time to walk it out. Now it's time to keep digging and keep finding those things. It's time to see and understand the contracts we have made with unbelief and begin to rip them up. In the Bible, this idea of seeing and understanding is uh, explained as discernment. You guys heard that word before? Discernment. It's fun. Christianese, not Christianese, but we throw it around like everybody knows what it means. Look, discernment, if you're not familiar, is simply judging. (gasps) We're not supposed to judge. Mm -hmm. We're not judging people. We're judging between two things, two thoughts, and we're deciding what is good and right and what is not good and right. We see, we understand, we judge. I see this thought. Okay, I understand that this is not in line with God's word or his nature or his purposes over me. I'm going to judge that thought. Nope, you go here. I will not take you. I will not agree with you. And the first scripture that comes to mind when I hear the word discernment is found in the list of gifts from the Holy Spirit. And um, I always get first and second confused. So 1 Corinthians 12.10, we have this list of, look, the Spirit of God is moving and he comes upon a group of people or comes upon you in a moment and he says, I'll give you discernment. Okay, First uh, Corinthians twelve ten. He gives somebody the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Amazing. Okay, so with Holy Spirit, we can see and understand and judge those thoughts, those messages, those messages coming to us and at us, and decide where it's coming from. Wow, did you know you have this superpower? <laughs> Do you know you can do this? And this word for discernment, the same word used in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 there, is the same word found again in Hebrews 5. So turn to Hebrews 5 with me really quick. And verse 11. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
the author here says, there is much more we would like to say about this. Okay, she's just been describing the beauty of our faith, the beauty of a, a Savior who has become, become our high priest, so once and for all we are cleansed from sin. And she says, <laughs> I say she. Rick Renner once said he thought that the author of this was a, one of the female pastors in, in the New Testament. And so I, have, I took hold of that. I'm like, amen, yes. <laughs> and there's no other, but, and no other one claiming it in the verses. So I just said she. That is why a very trusted scholar once said that. Okay, the author says, there is so much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Ouch. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That phrase, recognize the difference between, same word, discernment, okay, used in the previous verse. Okay. I love this verse. <laughs> Children know the difference between right and wrong because a loving parent or guardian or teacher is walking with them daily. Don't touch, that's hot. No, we don't hit, we don't bite. <laughs> we don't yell, we don't scream, we don't throw temper tantrums. No, yes, that is good. Good job sharing, good job giving a hug, good, good job, um, you know, eating your peas. I don't know. You know, we're constantly, constantly guiding and training and directing them in the way they should go and showing them right and wrong. Right, they're spoon-fed right and wrong as, they learn, and as they're learning to make good choices on their own. They're learning, we're, we're, and here's the thing, we're not just teaching them to listen to our voice the rest of their lives. This is wrong, this is right, and I'm going to be by your side, Billy, the rest of your life, making sure you do the do's and don't the don'ts. No, we're teaching them to think. We're thinking them to make choices. We're, thinking, we're teaching them to discern what is good and what is bad. Uh, you know, we have conversations like Harper just this morning. I was like, girls, we, we can't have snacks after church. We've been, we've been out of control in our own life. We don't need... I told him they get a fruits or veggies. And Harper goes, yeah, and no cheese because it makes me itchy. I don't have to tell her that. She's learning to discern because she eats cheese. And who doesn't love cheese? I love cheese. It makes me itchy. Guess what? I have a kiddo that, it, that doesn't re- respond well to it. She's learning to discern. That's a dumb example. <laughs> <You guys. laughs> She's five. I, there are 50-year-olds who don't know how foods respond, how they respond to foods when they eat them, and they're amazed. Like, I don't know. I just have this reaction randomly all the time. I'm like, uh-huh. Sorry, no judgment. <laughs> just amazed sometimes at the absolute, we, you know, kids, they're spoon-fed right and wrong as they're learning to make good choices and to differentiate what's good and what's not and what's right and what's wrong. And it's ridiculous to think of a healthy adult sitting down at the dinner table and being handed a bottle of milk, right? And yet we, isn't it just as much, isn't it so much more ridiculous to see a follower of Jesus still living by the most basic of instructions and needing They're handheld for every decision. What do I think? What do I do? Needing someone to tell them what's right and what's wrong. 
and, and look, it, it's okay to start. We all start at a spoon-fed place in our walk with God. That's okay. Please don't stay there. Please don't stay there. I want to read these verses to you from the, the Passion Translation just because they're so fun and good. You ready? For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. Okay, how do we grow in discernment? How do we come pierced by the revelation of righteousness? Romans, um, Romans 12, if you want to go there. Romans 12, I want to jump here next. This has some insight for us. How do we take this next step? How do we begin to become people mature in our thinking and believing and our faith? You may be familiar with this. These are some of my favorite verses. I feel like I bring them out in every talk. So, um, <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Again, New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, so first step. Let God change the way you think right, to begin to think like a believer, a child of the king, a royal heir, um, a beloved child, a powerful, evil-defeating force on this earth, a warrior, confident in love, setting captives free. Begin, let him change the way you think about yourself, about the world, about how he moves in and through you, about his dreams and desires for the world. We can know and quote scripture all day long, without it transforming our thinking. The devil quoted scripture to Jesus. I got to tell you, I don't think it transformed his thinking at all. The devil, not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus didn't need the thinking transformed. The devil did. One was quoting it and wasn't transformed. Okay. The words that stand out to me in this verse are copy, transform, and change. Let's start with transformation transformation and change is a process, right? It is work. Have you ever tried to transform something in your life? Your finances, your health, um, a, a relationship. It is hard work. But being a copy of the world around you, copying the culture, copying the speech, copying the ideas, copying the, the feel of the, the world around you, that's easy. Being a copy is easy. Truly being changed and transformed into something this world has never seen, bringing something heavenly and bigger than what we can see on this earth, that's hard work. I, uh, for, since, I don't know, when did the trails at Hartman's open? Maybe mid-April? I don't even know. Since about mid-April, I have been doing certain trails, most of the trails, in a, what's that? Anti-clockwise? What's that word? Counter. Counter-clockwise. Oh my gosh, sorry. Counter-clockwise. <laughs> I'm getting some giggles. See, I'm just here. I'm just here to make you laugh. Some counterclockwise, I've been doing them counterclockwise. A lot of these trails I had never done until this year in that direction. I had a goal. I wanted to do an event, and that was the course. So I did all, a lot of these, all of these trails in directions I usually hadn't done them. And I did them over and over and over and over and over and over and over until that event. And then I did them at the event. Friday, I was very familiar with those trails. I got very familiar with them. 
I got very good at them. I, I'm riding my bike better than I have ridden ever, maybe. I also had a new bike, so that helps. <laughs> it's a sweet bike. So it rides for me. It's an e-bike. No, I'm kidding. It's not. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what that means. It's cheating. <laughs> it would be cheating in this case. So I got really good in that direction. I knew, even I knew if I hop off here because I just will never, I never want to ride this and that's okay. But I got really good. Friday I went out and I'm like, I'm free of the counterclockwise. I went, I did a 10 mile loop clockwise. It was so fun. And I missed a lot of technical spots that I had nailed the year before because I had not practiced in that direction for six months, nine months. I had not done it in that direction. I didn't have the focus. I forgot how to approach it. I, I didn't have the, I just didn't have it. One direction. And it's so much like this. Oh, and here's the thing. Going in that direction, I was like, oh, look at the view. When I was going the other direction, I didn't see the view behind me. I'm like, the view. This is like our thoughts. We have to transform our thoughts. We're so stuck in this rut of a certain way of thinking and a certain way of navigating life and problems and issues. And something comes up, you go, see? See? Things just don't work out for me. See? I'll never get ahead financially. See? People are just always going to let me down. See? I'm the only one that can get this right. We got we to gotta stop. We got to get on the other direction. We got to take another thought pattern and path. It's going to be hard at first. You're going to be falling. You're going to be missing stuff. You're going to have to get back on the bike and try again. Keep going. Keep trying. It's going to feel unfamiliar and uncomfortable. And it's like that with our thoughts. We get so used to that pattern of our thinking. Here's the thing, too. We can slide right back in the old way of thinking. Oh, stop it. No. But once you're aware and once you do it, um, it gets better. It gets stronger. And look, this is more than just, I read a great book. My thinking is fixed. Oh, oh, I... I heard a great sermon. I got it. I got it now. I'm fixed. I, I know how to think right now. Yeah, you might. And now you got to practice it and do it over and over. Like literally in your brain, there are paths, there are trails. And you have to put up a road close sign on some of the, the ways of thinking and some of those agreements. You have to say road closed. I have literally had thoughts come up and I say, no, road closed. Like you guys, this is how spiritual I am. I'm like, in Jesus' name, that road is closed. I don't, have, I don't have better words at the time. And then I begin to carve out and begin to break trail in a healthy thought, in a godly thought, in a new identity. Not a new identity. In believing what God says about me. You have the opportunity to see from God's point of view. You go the other direction and all of a sudden, the vantage point, the view. Oh, they're, they're so much better than I thought there was. And, and, and having this point of view, having God's point of view, this transforms you into a person that can know his thoughts and his intentions, his will. His will is his thoughts and his intentions and his heart towards us. It's not some mystical weird thing. It's his heart. It's his intentions. What does he desire? What does he love? What does he want to see happen in you and on the earth? And how does he want to connect with you? So, Here's what I say. Remember our verse, milk, meat. Okay? Immature believers still need milk. We're all there in some area of our life. Meat is for the mature. 
if the Ten Commandments are the milk of our faith, love is the meat. If our life is only, if our faith life is only about following the rules, follow the rules. <laughs> do the good stuff, don't do the bad stuff. But it's a starting point. You know, if, here's the thing. If knowing the rules was enough to transform us and make us righteous, we didn't need the cross. One, okay? The commandments and law were set before us not as the standard, not as this is, if you can get to this, you're good. It was the very baseline of what a righteous person is. And none of us could even do the baseline. That's why we needed Jesus. So the law says don't covet. Love says, I have no place for jealousy because I am so excited when somebody prospers and when somebody is blessed and when somebody increases. Okay, the law says don't murder. Love says don't even hate. Don't harbor accusations and offense and strife. The law says don't lie and love rejoices. When justice, fall, when justice, um, injustice falls and truth wins out. Love is a higher standard. Love is a bigger, um, we need grace to do it. <laughs> so when we become aware of God's love in this transforming process, it changes our desires, it changes our perspectives, it changes our thinking. And walking in love develops our ability to discern for discernment, for greater discernment um, for ourselves and others. It shows us what's really coming against people, what, ourselves and others. Because look, if you, if you don't walk in love in this process, if you don't walk in love in this process, you're not walking in discernment. You're walking in suspicion and assumption. We don't want that. And I don't have time to get into all of that today. Just trust me. You, you, don't go to suspicion. Don't go to assumption discernment can see the mess in somebody, can see the agreements in yourself or others. You can see it, and it doesn't change how you think about that person. It doesn't change how you honor that person. It positions you to fight and to tear down the strongholds and the, and the lies they're believing and to help them, help them grow and help them be free. It's, like, it's not like, oh, well, can't be, a, can't be around that person because they are just you know, thinking wrong thoughts and something like that. Mature faith is love that has exercised its discernment muscle. Okay, we grow in discernment through practice and use. And you're going to miss it sometimes, and that's okay. So what do we do? You guys ready for the what to do? You are either leading your thoughts or they are leading you. So we need to start looking at what you're thinking about. Start thinking about um, the common things you always say and repeat. I have one right now. I'm like, good grief, can we get over this yet? Okay back on the trail. Get, I, <laughs> I haven't done this for a while. My friends and I, I have done it some, but my friends and I back in college when we were bike, mountain biking and learning to mountain bike, we would come up to a technical spot that we couldn't ride and we'd all miss it and fall and somebody would get it and then we'd get off our bikes and go back 10 feet down the trail and we'd hit it again and we'd, some would fall and some would miss it and some would bail and then we'd go back down the trail and we'd try it again. It takes practice to learn to discern what's coming at you, and it takes practice to learn to lead your thoughts. Here's the next thing we need to do. Here's the thing, first thing we need to do. Receive God's love. Receive God's love. You've got to trust that he loves you beyond, more, bigger. He's not, 
I don't know how to say it. He cares about the messes in your life because they're breaking you. But he doesn't love you any less because of the messes in your life. Okay, so approach this process from a place of knowing God's love, being content, being wrapped in his love. He wants you to be free, not bound up internally, but showing, putting on this, um, well, I wrote down, not bound internally to poison agreements while being good on the outside. He wants you free. That's going to look messy sometimes. Can we be okay with each other being messy as we walk this process? So start with love and acceptance or we're not going to break free from just performing the rules and working to earn our freedom in this area. Okay? Meet. We're aiming for meat. We're aiming for maturity. We're aiming for walking in real love. And that means, guys, (laughs) you get to love yourself. Um, Yeah. Okay, remember your authority. Remember your authority. What does that mean? One of the strategies of the devil is to break us down through accusations until you agree with the lies. He is spewing at you over and over and over. The lies about your value, about your strength, about your identity and authority. I'm sorry. I just choked on my own air. Getting excited. When you're hearing accusations toward yourself or others, ask Jesus for help. There have been so many times where accusations are just I don't even know how to explain it. It feels like you are drowning. Feels like you're drowning. Feels like it's also real. Yeah, I'm a failure. This is ter- I'll never I'll never do better. Things will never get better. Drowning in this. And I just go, Jesus help. Jesus help. And then as he helps, as the kind of that starts to part and you feel like you can breathe again a little bit. I begin to declare, I, I refuse to partner with a spirit of accusation. It's this simple. I'm, I'm literally telling you what I do and the process I do. I'm not making this up. This is my process. If you have something better or more spiritual, go for it. I say, in Jesus' name, I refuse to partner with a spirit of accusation or whatever's coming at me. I receive God's love over me. I declare God's goodness and blessing over myself. Um, and then I begin to speak against that specific accusation by declaring what love has said. What does love say about you? That's where we need to go. What is love, who does love say you are? Here's some reminders about your position when accusations come against you. Um, I want you to jot these down. I want you to, oh my gosh, sorry. Just hit the wrong button. I want you to write them down and um, maybe if, if one of them strikes you, you know, write it on a note card, put it in your pocket, hang it on your mirror, something like that where you have a place you can go and... Um, see that over and over and over again until you really believe it. This is who you are. Psalms eighteen forty three and through forty five. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. You have victory over the accusers coming against your life. Those powers, those authorities, those lies, those agreements, they have to submit to you in Jesus' name. This is who you are. This is your position. (laughs) I declare right now in Jesus' name, all agreements and contracts and accusations against the people under the sound of my voice right now are broken. They lose their courage and they come trembling from their strongholds and that you will see clearly right now in Jesus' name how small and insignificant and stupid that lie you've been agreeing with is. 
and you will be free today in Jesus' name. Isaiah 50, verse 8, He who gives me justice is near. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. Try that when accusations come against you. He who gives me justice is near. You know, sometimes I read this word near and I feel like I had a boss <laughs> who was always late to cover his shift and relieve my shift, relieve me from my shift. Always late. He'd call. Hey, 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 I'm so sorry, so sorry. I'm just around the corner. I want to be like, what corner of what town? In what state? Please, I need more information than that. Like, this is kind of my perception of near. Jesus is not just around the corner and he's going to be late. He is near. He is right here. He who gives me justice is near. Do you love that? Hey, accusations. God's right here. You want to try saying that again? Jesus, who covered all my sin, who covered all my shame, who broke all of that off of me, is right here. You want to say that again to him? Let them appear. Come, come trembling out of your strongholds, lies and agreements and accusations. I dare you to challenge what Jesus has done for me. 1 Peter 3.22, New Living Translation. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Hebrews 10, 12 through 13. Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Ooh, good for all time. <laughs> Where the stamps are going up again. Where's the, you know, this is your forever stamp. Good for all time. He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Okay, this is important. All angels, all authorities, and all powers accept the authority of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus sits down. What? Wait. But in my life, I don't see all authorities, all powers, all angels. Well, angels maybe is a different. <laughs> I don't want to command angels. But I don't see all the authorities in my life under the blood of Jesus. I don't see everything the way it's supposed to be yet. Why'd you sit down, Jesus? You, you missed me. You missed my life. You missed my finances. You missed my relationship. You missed my issue, whatever. Okay? Where is the breakthrough? Well, let's move. I want to jump to Ephesians, and then we'll talk about that for a minute, in a minute again. We'll hit it again. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 says this, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is this, okay, we're talking about the power God has put inside of you to, to stand and to be in this world. Incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. <laughs> in case you're wondering, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Oh, here's where it gets real. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Jesus has all authority, all power. He sits down. He says, 
You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my heartbeat to this world. You're my lungs and my breath and my voice in this world. You're my power and you're my authority. You're the one now to call and to tear down and to build up. Go. You know my will. You know my intentions. You know my heart. Go. Take the, I love, oh, <laughs> I love what Lauren Boebert said a few weeks ago. She sees a church so strong and powerful walking in this, walking in their authority until the devil says, make it stop. Get your people out of here. I can't take it anymore. There is too much life. There is too much freedom. There is too much goodness. There is too much health. There is too much prosperity. Get them out of here. I'm done. Instead of us being rescued out of a situation, no, no, no. All authority, everything. And you are the hands and feet. You are the breath. You are the life. So Jesus defeated all of his enemies and he sits down having given us all of the authority and power to make that victory complete. So go get them. Go get them. I want to hit this one really quickly. Quickly? Quickish? 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 6. This is, I'm reading in the Passion Translation. I'll just jump right there for fun. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. (laughs) Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Our spiritual weapons, the weapons you have, the power you have, the authority you have in this earth, are divine to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide the ones you hide behind, the ones your neighbors are hiding behind, the ones, everything, every person is hiding behind. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Okay, the mighty weapons are repentance, love, kindness, grace. These are weapons that transform hearts to life. Okay, the worldly weapons are shame, religious deeds, punishment. These are tools that manipulate people to act right. We don't use those. Okay, how to address the strongholds and agreements in your life? A couple minutes. I'm wrapping it up, I promise. Listen. Listen to what you are constantly thinking and saying. And if you're not sure, ask somebody close to you. They'll tell you, you always say this. They know. You probably know, but just in case you need confirmation. I read a book in the last year, uh, John Acuff. It's called Soundtracks. And he lists three important, the three, he calls it soundtracks. I'm saying agreements. Uh, Maybe you could say mindsets. Um, He calls it soundtracks. The things that loop constantly in your heart, constantly in your mind. I do this. I don't know why I do that. Because sometimes they are a little. Okay. Soundtracks. He lists three most important questions to ask your soundtracks or your agreements. Okay. Is it true? Is it true? Is it helpful? And is it kind? I would add, who told you that? You have discernment from the Spirit of God. Who told you that? Where did that come from? Did that come from a broken parent who was having a bad day and said something once that then 
your little spirit took up as an agreement for the rest of your life? Who told you that? That was not your parent. That was a lie from hell. They made a mistake. You had a bad moment. The devil just took, took advantage of it and planted that seed in your heart. Then begin to ask, who and what does love say I am? I love this perspective. You know, we can say, God, what do you say I am? You know, but when we go and say, God, what does your love say over me? What does love speak to me? Then that helps it be really clear. Because sometimes if we have broken ideas about who God is or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, we can say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? And we can hear some broken things because our perception of God is broken. But I think we have a better perception sometimes of love. Okay, what does love say about me? Love, God is love. Okay, I'm not saying this is other than God, but this helps me in situations and I think it helps others. Love, what does love say I am? And listen for that. And sometimes it takes digging to get down to why I'm thinking a certain thing. Where did this come from? God knows, ask him. And in order, so then my next step is, so I, I, I figure out, okay, this is on repeat. Why? Where did it come from? What's true? But then I also um, kind of, I, I get quiet with God and Holy Spirit, and I say, um, I kind of, I'm looking for a word or a phrase. Okay, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I've got on repeat. What's the spirit I have attached in this agreement, when we make an agreement that opens the door for spiritual demonic attachments? I'm not saying you're de- demon-filled, but we partner with these things that then we need to break off. So, okay, God, is it, you know, is there a particular spirit? Is this just a, a lie or a phrase I need to break off of me? And God will give me that word or that phrase. Then all I do is I say, God, forgive me. I'm repenting, changing my mind. Forgive me for partnering with. And then I declare that its power over me is broken. And this is a process. There are things that have easily, quickly been able to dismantle and take apart. There are things that have been a process. It goes 10 steps back, 10 feet back. Pick another line. Pick it. Go at it again. Okay? Didn't quite. Okay, we need to do it again. Pick a line. Go for it. Hit that. Tackle that thought again. Tackle that agreement again. Declare your freedom in that area again. Ask for God's help again. And then write down the true statements and put it somewhere where you can read it and say it every day again. This is a process. Don't get discouraged. And it's fun to watch these powers and these agreements become weak. I have a situation. um, One thing, I, I don't know if this is something that's been my whole life or pretty recent, but one thing I've dealt with in the last um, three, four years is this expectation that something, this horrible sense of apprehension that something is going to go wrong. And I'll just be out enjoying my life and then, whoo, and I become afraid for my kids and I'm wondering where they are and what they're doing and I'm like, in Jesus' name, and I can get really angry and I can really afraid and I'm starting to do battle. Instead, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've now recognized that as a spirit trying to get me into fear so that it can then create the horrible reality that it wants to create through me. So I'm like, oh no, oh no. I rebuke that spirit. I repent from even entertaining those thoughts. In Jesus' name, I declare I am free from that spirit of, um, I think it's foreboding. I always I forget that word, so I say, 
a spirit of something's gonna, bad's gonna happen. I don't even know. I always forget that word. This horrible sense of apprehension. I break that off in Jesus' name. And I go, God, you love my family more than I do. You are watching over us. And see the different posture between, oh my gosh, Jesus' name, protect us. God, that thing has no power. You're good no matter what happens. And here's how it feels. Once you start recognizing this, once you start growing in this discernment, it's, it's like walking down an alley. Have you ever walked down an alley and walked past one of the stinky restaurant dumpsters? Whoa. You don't jump into the dumpster. You keep walking, and then the fresh air comes. It's like that. These thoughts, these agreements, they are not you. You can un- unpartner. <laughs> you can end that. That contract is ended. You can rip it up. So again, you repent from partnering with the lie or the spirit. You declare and pray what love from God's heart says about you. Write down the truth. Be prepared with the truth. So you have your weapons ready the next time. Okay, sometimes, yep, one and done, we're good. Got it, cut it off, we're good. I don't know. I just, I get, I got the endurance thing. I get to keep working at this and keep pushing through and but it is fun. It's like now I get it. I'm like, oh, I know that spirit. I've seen you before, and I've dealt with you before, and you had to go away. So you have to go away this time, okay? All right, so are you leading your thoughts, or are your thoughts leading you? What agreements are you making? What contracts do you need to rip up? Let's stand up. I'll pray for you. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you right now. Strongholds in our thinking that we are hiding behind, that we have felt safe behind, that are so familiar to us, we don't even know how they're damaging uh, all the things you want to bring, all the good you want to bring to us, God. I just declare them broken right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that every um, evil spirit and lie right now has come crawling out of its hiding place, where it has been hiding in religion, where it has been hiding in... um, Oh, addiction where it's been hiding and uh, self-protection, God, where there, there's these evil things that we have harbored and, and let live because we didn't know they, they were even there. God, I thank you they come crawling out and submit right now to the name of Jesus Christ that in this place and under the sound of my voice, <laughs> people are free. People are free from the agreements with death, with fear, with suspicion, with lack, with poverty, with self-hatred, with addiction. Did I say that one? With everything, God, I just thank you in Jesus' name. You know what it is, and those lies are come crawling out like worms, <laughs> and we're stomping on them. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. You are good, and you do only good, and we look to you, God. I thank you right now for your love, your love just pouring into hearts right now, your love just washing, washing, washing. Thank you, Jesus. Love is pouring out into every heart in this place. I thank you, God. Whisper right now. Declare loud right now. Ah, love, who do you say we are? Let that be our starting place today, God, for a new and transformed life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. Okay. On the count of three, let's say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin, Valley Basin, and the world, and you can be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you, guys.
Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.